We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast, a weekly faith-filled podcast that aims to inspire and encourage you on your walk with Christ. Each episode is designed to explore different aspects of Christianity, like biblical teachings and personal testimonies that help you deepen your understanding and relationship with God. So whether you are a new believer or a seasoned Christian, our podcast is a place where you can feel supported, challenged, and empowered. Join us every Friday as we delve into the Word of God and share stories of faith, hope, and love. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm excited to continue on in this study of the book of Jonah, and I'm here with my co-host, Brother Brandon. Brother Brandon, it's a pleasure to record another episode with you, so I'm going to go ahead and just ask you, what are we talking about today? Well, as you said, we are back in the book of Jonah, and we are at the conclusion. We've made it to the end of this fishy book, Yeah, and we are... I used all my underwater puns in the first couple episodes, so I only had one left there. But uh, so we'll just sink that. But uh, <laughs> so uh, so we're going to be back in the book of Jonah. It's only four chapters, very short book with a big message, as we said before. And we're going to look at Jonah chapter four. Now, in Jonah chapter four, we have something interesting going on. Uh, we know from studying this previously, that Jonah drug his feet. He finally preached to the Ninevites, and surprisingly, the Ninevites repented of their sins and turned toward the Lord God. And because of that, they avoided punishment, wrath, and judgment. Right. And what we have in chapter 4, which is so interesting, is Jonah's response to the Ninevites' response of repentance. And you would think that because the Ninevites repented and they avoided God's wrath, that Jonah would be super happy about that. Right. You know, I mean, that's one thing we've learned from Jonah is uh, so far in this book, he's always in the right, you know, he's always doing the right thing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, so no, Jonah was not happy about this, obviously. And we see in this chapter that Jonah is actually angry with God because God showed grace to sinners. Very mm. shocking, very surprising. Wow. But let's talk about you. this and oh yeah, really. Uh to say the least. Um but let's talk about this a little bit. Let's see what what it was in Jonah's heart that made him so angry that God showed grace to the Ninevites. And let's just start in verse 1. In Jonah chapter 4 verse 1 it says, "But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry." Well, what is the it here? Well, when it says it displeased Jonah, uh, it's referring to, again, God showing mercy and grace to the Ninevites instead of judgment and wrath. Mm -hmm. And that is what displeased Jonah exceedingly and made him angry and frustrated. Now, some do suppose that Jonah was angry here simply because of his prejudice against the Ninevites. And that is partially true, right? I mean, by all accounts, Jonah was sort of what you'd call today a bigot. He was kind of an Israelite supremacist, if you will, who really didn't like the heathen nations. 
but it's a lot deeper than that. That's really just a surface problem, just a symptom of a deeper condition. The reality is that Jonah was prejudiced against God. Yeah. And that's even hard for me to say in a statement, but it's true. Right. He was what you might call a wrath supremacist. He believed only in a God who judges and a God who never forgives. He didn't think the Ninevites were um, really unworthy of grace and mercy. He thought it was unworthy of God to show mm -hmm. grace and mercy. Like, right. God, don't you know better than to yeah. show grace and mercy to sinners? You know, again, some think that Jonah is primarily judging the Ninevites here for their sin, but really what he's doing here is he's standing in judgment over God mm -hmm. and condemning his steadfast mercy as sin. Right. And why was that? Why did Jonah think that way? Well, he thought that God's holy reputation was on the line and might be tarnished if mm -hmm. he forgave sin and unholiness. Right. He believed that all the heathen nations like the Ninevites would regard God as too nice mm -hmm. if he didn't burn every sinful city to the ground when they became evil enough to warrant it. Right. God's merciful compassion shown to Nineveh, in Jonah's eyes, it made the Lord look weak, as mm -hmm. though he could be put to the test and pushed around. Right. And we really see that in the confession he makes in verses 2 through 3, where he tells us why he was angry that God showed compassion. Here's what he said. And he prayed to the Lord. <laughs> we got to stop there for a minute. Uh, the, one of the only times he actually prays to the Lord in the book of Jonah, and it's still not good, right? Um, he should have prayed a prayer of repentance when he messed up mm -hmm. and fled from God to Tarshish, but finally he prays yeah. in verse 2, and it's really no better than his first prayer in this book, which was in chapter 2. Here's what he said. O oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now, this is a pretty honest prayer. We'll have to give Jonah this. He's not holding anything back here. You know, this yeah. is honest. It's brutal. It's unlike the empty prayer of chapter two, where Jonah was just copying the psalmist and offering lip service to the Lord. And what Jonah does here is he lays bare his wicked heart in this prayer. He reveals his motivations for avoiding God's call to preach to Nineveh and his bitterness over the city's repentance. And the surprising reason he gives here is basically this. God, you want to know why I ran away? Because you are too merciful. Mm. I knew that you would exercise grace instead of wrath. That's what you love to do. And you know what? I'd rather die than live in a world where mercy is shown to sinners who deserve condemnation. And that is pretty shocking, if you ask me. And, you know, it's interesting. If you hear modern critics today of the Christian faith, 
uh, they complain of the exact opposite. Um, they protest that the God of the Bible is too angry, you know, mm-hmm. not too merciful. Uh, right. Most people like, you know, the fact that God forgives sin and that he loves sinners and sent his son to die for the world because of his love. But most people, uh, to the contrary, are angry that God reveals himself as a judge and one who exercises wrath. Right. They say that, you know, God had no right to judge the world when he sent the global flood or when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And they talk about, you know, the existence of eternal hell as proof that God is just a vengeful monster who delights in exercising merciless judgment. Mm-hmm. Well, needless to say, Jonah would dispute the naysayers of the present day, wouldn't he? Because his contention was that God wasn't angry enough. Mm. And that's the issue of his heart here. See, Jonah loved the God who flooded the world, but he disliked the God who mercifully delivered Noah and his family. Right. See, Jonah would have shouted for joy when fire fell to consume the wicked twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, mm-hmm. but Jonah simultaneously would have scoffed at God's saving of Lot and his daughters. Right. Jonah would heartily amen the idea of everlasting hell while rejecting the idea of everlasting life. And this is honestly so shocking here. And we see that Jonah has this messed up view of God, a God who is all wrath and no grace. Right. But we know, Chris, that the scripture teaches that God is a God of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. Wrath and grace are not opposing Uh, not contradictory, I guess, attributes, God has just as much wrath as he has grace and just as much grace as he has wrath. Right. And so that's that's what we need to believe as well. We need to believe in a God of both wrath and grace. Otherwise, the God we believe in is no God at all. Mm -hmm. And it's apparent from Jonah's grumpy prayer here that he couldn't accept that. And he lists all these great ways in which God shows his grace. And there's there's five ways here that he mentions the graciousness of God. And I thought it'd be good for us to look at each one of these and, and have them as a basis for our praise instead of a basis for our pouting like Jonah. Mm. So let's, let's look through these and see if some praise can well up in our hearts when we look at them. First, Jonah said, I knew you were a gracious God. Well, that's worthy of thanksgiving, isn't it? Right. God is a God of grace. He's the generous giver of what we do not deserve. And there's so many passages on God's grace. My goodness, it's it's one of his chief attributes. But right. one that I love is in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, where the prophet says, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. The prophet's saying, God is so gracious, he is just standing, waiting to show you grace and mercy. Second, Jonah says, God is merciful. You're a gracious God and merciful. Now, mercy is a little bit different from grace, of course. Right. Uh, grace is God giving us what we do not deserve, such as salvation, the forgiveness of sins. Mercy is God withholding from us what we do deserve. 
Right. So you think about punishment and wrath and judgment and uh, just retribution. And because of Christ and because of his grace and mercy, he holds those things back from us. And in that right. sense, God has mercy. Number three, Jonah says, God is slow to anger. I mean, this list is just getting what the old preachers say, gooder and gooder. Yeah, gooder and gooder. Gooder and gooder, brother. <laughs> My yeah. grandfather would say that a lot. <laughs> and it don't get no gooder than this. <laughs> but he says he's slow to anger. Now, to be sure, God is a God of wrath, as we've already noted. He it does get angry, and he is angry. In fact, the psalmist says that God is angry with the wicked every day. Yeah, and rightfully but is, so. And rightfully so. He is totally justified in having that anger and righteous indignation. But at the same time, God is slow to anger, which means, conversely, he's quick to love you. Right. Slow to anger, quick to love you. And him being slow to anger basically means that his breaking point doesn't vary from day to day like ours does. Mm. You know, if the car's not running right and we're in slow traffic and we don't have enough money for our bills and McDonald's messed up our order for the 20 millionth time. I'm describing mm. my life here, as you know. Their uh, ice cream <laughs> machine is down. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, I don't even get angry about that one anymore. I mean, no, I, that's I just do. the reality. I still do. They need to clean it. Oh, uh, I got a funny story about that I might tell another time. But, yeah, I just accept it as fact. You know, I'm like, okay, right. you know, I'll never have ice cream. <laughs> they don't even McDonald's. have an ice cream machine. It's a lie. So. Yeah, I don't even entertain it. You know, I don't want to get my heart broken again. So Yeah, but you can see how angry I am over that. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. But and that doesn't me, vary I, from day to day. <laughs> yeah, right. I guess I'm kind of more relaxed about it, too, because I am lactose intolerant. So my <laughs> yeah. ice cream intake is pretty small, you know. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, um, great illustration, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> but unlike us in the drive-thru or when we get frustrated at the sufferings of everyday life, God doesn't have a breaking point like us. In other words, his attitude toward us, toward us is not, hey, if you sin one more time, I'm going to lose it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, God's not like that, fortunately. God is patient and long-suffering. His patience for us never thins although we might put it to the test um, an infinite number of times. Right. But he's slow to anger. And, of course, many biblical characters are test cases of this, and the nation of Israel is the primary test case of this. They were always putting God to the test by their rebellion, their grumbling and complaining, and their wandering, but God was gracious to them through all of it. Yeah. And, I mean, it's seen in Jonah, isn't it? I mean, man, dude. I would have got angry with Jonah from the start, but you don't really see much of God's anger towards Jonah in this book. You see God running after him with mercy and grace. Right. And then uh, what we have next here is God is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and he abounds in steadfast love. So he's got a lot of love for sinners and for all of us. He has an abundance of unrelenting love for us. And then lastly, Jonah says that God relents from disaster. And that simply means that God prefers that sinners turn from their wicked way so that they can avoid demise, dismay, and destruction. 
you know, God really was not going to take any great pleasure in destroying Nineveh. Right. Um, he, he wanted them to turn to him so that they could be saved and delivered. Mm-hmm. And Jonah's saying, yep, I knew, God, that you like to do that. That's one of your favorite things, and that's why I didn't want to preach to Nineveh. And obviously, all of these things are things worthy of rejoicing. Mm-hmm. They're not worthy of complaining or grumbling as Jonah saw them. And it's interesting here. God shows all of these attributes in one question of verse 4 as we move along. Jonah, or God responds to Jonah and says, Jonah, do you do well to be angry? Jonah doesn't, uh, God doesn't say, Jonah, that's enough. You know, you're embarrassing me as a prophet of Israel. I've given you chance after chance. You just won't repent. You've really made me angry now. Right. No, God just reasons with him and says, Jonah, are you sure? I mean, look in your heart, man. Are you sure the anger you're feeling is right? Might mm-hmm. need to look into your heart. Well, yeah. Jonah continues to reveal his sinful heart as we look at verses 5 through 9. Uh, Chris, why don't you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, I, I think too, as, as we looked at, at verses one through four there, uh, that that we see a, another understanding of God and, and who he is, that mm-hmm. he wants to save our enemies just right. as much as he wanted to save us to begin with. And as you said, one would think that Jonah would look down on Nineveh and, and say, Hey, that's wonderful. They're, they're repenting. (laughs) The, the will of God is being fulfilled right here. And one would think too, that his reaction would be, as we see in the next passage to, to leave the city, but to stay in the city and probably even continue on in repentance, just as, uh, as the people of Nineveh were, were doing there. But we see here instead that he that he's angry. And, and remember when we were looking at James, James said something very important that I always have to remember because, you know, that when I was a little kid, they put me in anger management. They taught me that phrase, hands are not for hitting, things like that. <laughs> I had a little bit of a temper and I, I can't lie that uh, sometimes I'm, I'm very quick to get angry and whatnot. Yeah, all of us. <laughs> but... But what, what we see here, what, what we remember what James said is that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Yeah. And, and we see a lot of anger, a lot of, of wrath that is being shared by Jonah. And he's expecting God to get on his level, to right. get onto yeah. his understanding and to act like him rather than he conform to the will of God. Mm. And, and so he looks at these Ninevites who had a habit of, of waging war and conquering the Hebrew people. And, and so Jonah, he's focusing on these worldly ways of, of hatred. Uh, and he wanted God to destroy them. We see that in his prayer right there. This is why I didn't want to do this, God, yeah. because I knew what you were going to do. He knew the will of God. He knew what God was going to do, and that's why he ran so much. That's why he put so much effort into running, and that's why he put so little effort into 
doing the will right. of God. And, and so, yeah, it's crazy to to think that Jonah's angry with with God and that God had used him to reach out to the people of Nineveh and that even through his half-heartedness and preaching the worst sermon that we ever heard, you know, uh, yet 40 days, you're going to be overthrown. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he went to seminary for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, Jonah knew that if God was sending him to his enemies, that God was going to deliver his enemies that he wouldn't, he wouldn't necessarily really have to have done a whole lot more, but he knew that, that if he was being sent, that there was going to be deliverance there. And, and that's, that's what we have to understand here is that God loves our enemies just yeah. as much as he loves us. Right. And he wants to save our enemies just as much as he wanted to save us. And it's our job not to staunch the flow of his love toward mm. anyone. And that's why I think it's important to look at Jonah in this aspect, because it's like there's a mirror there. Yeah. And I've heard it said, and I've been judgmental in, in many cases uh, in another way, where I've heard someone being judgmental and in my response to them being judgmental is to be judgmental of them. And so we, we can find ourselves in this act of judgment and hatred mm -hmm. very easily. But I used to, to go out to the jail and I would do a jail ministry there. I'd get to sit with guys that uh, were, were doing time or, or, you know, about to even go off to prison in some mm -hmm. instances. And I would always invite them to church after uh, they got out. I'd say, Hey, call me as soon as you get out. Let me know when you're out. I want to make sure that you're taken care of, you're helped. Uh, I want you to come out to church. I want you to, to feel comfortable worshiping with us. And, and I'll never forget something that I heard and what was expressed to me was that someone once said, we don't want those type of people. Mm. And there's Jonah right there. Yeah. And right. you want to know my response to that was just as bad, you know, and I didn't, it wasn't even a response that I spoke out loud. I, I said something correct. Well, God wants those people, but I walked away from that conversation. And in my heart, I said, well, God doesn't want you, you yeah. type of people. Right. And so yeah. I even turned around and started acting like Jonah in that instance. And, and, you know, I had to look in a mirror at that moment, because even though this one person had said something completely wrong, and even though I didn't even open my mouth and express the contents of my heart, I had to deal with the fact that I really believed that in that moment, even though mm. I didn't speak it out loud. And the only reason I didn't speak it out loud was not because I thought it was wrong. It's, you know, it was almost like a political ploy. You know, you don't have to say everything that's in your head and, you know, yeah. keep, keep the peace a little bit and yeah. things like that. But ultimately, when it comes to the love of God, God wants his love to be shared with everybody. Even the people that hate us, even the people that are trying to bring us down, even the Ninevites who hated the Hebrews, he wanted the Hebrews to experience that love as well. And, and this is really summed up in John three sixteen, 
but not just John 3, 16. Sometimes we forget the verse after that in verse 17. But, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, if you're listening to this right now and you rehearse that with me, you get a gold star because I know you probably did. But <laughs> verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And there we mm. see God's mercy. There we see God's grace right there as well, that he could have rightly condemned the world. He could have written the world off, but instead he sent his son into the world, not to condemn it, but that through him it might be saved. And we know that the will of God is that all come to repentance. That's what Peter writes in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his problem uh, or his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And even further, Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, he says, therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. And that doesn't leave anybody out. I, I've been asked to talk to some people that it was very hard for me to talk to because of some of the crimes that they had committed. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how, how in the world could they ever come to this understanding? And there was one case in particular where there was this young man that had committed a heinous crime. And, and it was so horrible that I was, I was sick to my stomach when, when someone asked me to, to talk to him. And I thought, how in the world, God, could you ever save him? And, and God really humbled me in that moment as he revealed to me, if I can save him or if I can save you, I can save him. He mm, brought me yeah. down to the same level as this young man who had done something so horrible in the eyes of the world that it, it made me sick, like physically sick to think about what had happened. And then God lowered me down to that level to understand that if I can save you, Chris, I can save him as mm, well. Yeah. And, right. and that was kind of like my Nineveh right there. Yeah. I was mm -hmm. ready to run like Jonah at that moment. And, and so this young man was my Nineveh and I was ready to be Jonah. And the, the reason that I didn't do what Jonah did is because I've got the book of Jonah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah. It, it helps me realize the worst that I can be so that I don't go there. Yeah. But I, I think the simple point we understand about God is that God is wrath. He has wrath. We Correct. see that on the cross and he mm -hmm. is mercy, but God in his wrath still chooses to first give us the chance of experiencing his grace and mercy. He doesn't want to destroy you, but he is just what he wants to destroy is sin. Yeah. And, and so when we look at God in that respect, we understand his wrath a little bit better and we understand his grace a little bit better as well. And 
what it comes down to is that Nineveh, if they would have remained in their sin, God would have done the one thing he didn't necessarily want to do, but was, you know, would have been right in doing yeah. so. Mm-hmm. And, and so he gave them a chance to experience his grace and mercy, and they chose to experience his grace and mercy. Yeah, right. Instead of experiencing his wrath. And we have that choice today, too. It might not be like Jonah and Nineveh, but it might be, well, not might be, it is this way, to accept Jesus, to put your faith in him, to follow him, to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow him daily. Or continue to live for yourself, live in your sin, and you'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day, and you'll hear the words, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. See there where he says that? That's a very important line there. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, because you decided to live in sin, Mm -hmm. and he offered you freely his grace and mercy, and you rejected it, and instead of becoming a child of God, becoming a part of the kingdom of God, you decided to stay a worker of iniquity. So depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And I honestly believe that the ones that has the biggest broken heart at that moment, speaking those words, aren't even the people that are are about to be condemned to hell for all eternity. But Christ, who died on the cross so that he wouldn't have to say those words to you. Yeah. Because what he wants to, and we saw that in John three seventeen, the Son of Man did not come into this world to condemn it, but that through him it might be saved. And, and, and so he wants to speak those words, welcome home, my good and faithful servant. But it comes down to this. Even in his love and mercy, he is just. And sin must experience his wrath. And if you never receive the forgiveness of sins, which is obtained through the the shed blood of Jesus Christ by following him, what you will do is stand before him in your sin. And that sin will experience the wrath of God and you'll be eternally separated from him. And that's a a worse destruction than Nineveh could have experienced when it it came to that it's a worse destruction than Sodom and Gomorrah that's just Mm -hmm. that's just a fraction of an understanding of hell and and really the worst punishment of hell we we can talk about fire we can talk about all this other stuff the weeping and the gnashing of teeth that worst punishment of hell is that you stood before a good and loving God you realize that he is real that he wanted a relationship with you and you rejected him. Uh. That is the worst punishment of hell. And so I would, I would say in this that we need to look at where our anger can take us sometimes yeah, overall. Right. Because it can take us down a very bad path where we reject the truth of God, where we reject the will of God. And we need to stop doing that. We need to stop expecting God to look at things through our eyes and instead shift our focus to look at things through God's eyes. Because where we want to have wrath, where we want to see vengeance, 
we recall the, the passage, the scripture that says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Therefore, yeah. we don't expect God to produce vengeance where we want it. We expect him to produce vengeance where he will produce vengeance, where he right. will produce wrath. Therefore, we don't expect God to conform to us. We must conform to him. And, and honestly, Brother Brandon, I, I think verse one through four was just a good start. I, yeah. I don't think right. we need to, to necessarily jump in through uh, to five through nine. Yeah. We can jump into that next week. But that, that's a question for everybody uh, to, to think about. Think about the anger and the prejudice that you have in your life. And we all have it. Uh, you know, I don't mean to sound direct like I'm blaming everybody that's listening because I have it. I have to look at it every day and ask mm-hmm. myself, God, where is my anger keeping me from doing your will, from enacting your will here in this lost and dying world? Right. Yeah. Do you have any last thoughts, Brother Brandon? Yeah, I just thought, you know, you was talking about God showing mercy to sinners. And and I thought of what Jesus said in the Gospels where he said that the Lord and the angels of heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. Right. And, you know, if God rejoices over the repentance of sinners, certainly we should as well. And mm-hmm. we should never be guilty of this. Uh, grumbling in this sulking that that overcame Jonah as he was sort of given over to sin, and but you know the fact that this happened to Jonah means it can happen to us, right? And even Jesus talked about this in Luke fifteen. Um, we're very familiar with you know the prodigal son coming home to his father, but we're not so familiar with the response of his relatives to his coming home. Um, but Jesus actually told us we can be guilty of the exact same attitude of Jonah here through this parable. Right. And I want to read just a portion of it in Luke 15. It says that, uh, of course, this was after uh, the prodigal son returned, said his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Like, okay, that's unusual. What's all this partying and celebration going well, on while I'm out here working? I can tell you that they're not Baptist for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> we can rule that out, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. They might be if they only give you a few amen, sit in the back, barely yeah. raise their hands, you know. <laughs> the Baptist shuffle. That's the only dancing line. Baptist, Baptist shuffle. Baptist <laughs> yeah, yeah. That Moving one from is... one casserole dish to the other. That's the Baptist hey, shuffle. <laughs> now, I can get behind that shuffle right there, brother, let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> but you see in that parable, it says that uh, the older brother, he the older son, he hears all this celebration and he called one of the servants, asked what these things meant. And the servant said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. Mm. Of course that, that should be cause for celebration. This was a prodigal brother, one of his own family that went astray. And when he comes back, everybody's having a good time. Everybody's celebrating. Right. But it says in Jesus parable, but he was angry. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. He was angry and refused to go in. He was mad that his father showed him mercy when he felt like he didn't deserve it. And it says he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. 
But when the son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. Mm. So you have the heart of Jonah right there once again. Mm-hmm. He believes that his father should have shown wrath to his prodigal son instead of grace. Yeah. And like the elder brother, we can become puffed up with you know self-righteous resentment and lose yeah. sight of our own desperate need for mercy. And we certainly should never become quickly upset that God quickly forgives and welcomes even the most yeah. wandering of sinners. Oh, two... The ironic thing there is when we expect God to have wrath on other people, we forget that we also ourselves deserve the wrath of God. Yeah, right. That That's what we have earned. And we, you talked about that with mercy. But it's so strange how we are so quick to expect God's wrath on others and how quick we forget that we deserve that same exact wrath, yeah. but we get to experience his mercy and his grace. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we should very always be very careful if we say, well, hey, that's not fair, uh-huh. you know, for that person to be forgiven of all their sin when, when mm-hmm. I don't have that much sin. Well, first of all, <laughs> we all have a lot of sin. But if we say that's not fair, well, we don't want fair from God. <laughs> right. Yeah. If we no, got God, fair, we'd don't have his be justice fair with and me. wrath. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we want be, mercy, yeah. yeah, instead of fairness. But right, but yeah, yeah. I mean, this this parable and this these couple of verses from the book of Jonah, man, they're just such a an insightful look in our own hearts. And mm-hmm. and uh, if we ever have these tendencies, we notice them creeping up. Well, one thing we need that mer- that uh, Jonah was angry about is God's mercy. Yeah. So definitely. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us on another episode of the Faith 168 podcast. I want to encourage you to go out this week and live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours. And just think about what we've talked about here in this episode, uh, about the anger that Jonah showed and how it really staunched the flow of of God's love, not necessarily in the Ninevites' life, but really in his. There was only one person really hurting in this whole thing. There's only one person going through a lot of turmoil in this whole book, and that's Jonah, because in his anger, all of this chaos came about. So look at the anger that, that can be present in our lives and your lives today, and, and give that to God this week, and live faithfully for him 168 hours. So, Brother Brandon, go ahead, dismiss us in prayer. Absolutely. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace that you have shown us in abundance and chiefly through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yes. We thank you also for this insightful book of Jonah we have laid open before us that lays open the contents of our hearts. And we just do pray that you might help us to rejoice when you show grace to others, even to those who are our enemies. Help us, Lord, just to be exuberant at that fact. And help us to be channels of your mercy, sharing the message of the gospel of grace with others who need to hear it. Mm-hmm. And we lastly pray, but certainly not least, that you might grant us the strength and grace to live faithfully for Christ the next 168 hours. 
We pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.